Uh, turn your Bibles with me, please, to the book of James. The book of James, chapter 4. James is one of my favorite books in the Bible because it's a very simple book. Because I'm a simple man with a simple mind. So I like things simple. I don't like things complicated. Um, if, if anything is complicated, I complicate it myself. Um, but I, I like things simple. And that's why I like James because it's just it's practical. It's simple. Uh, I had a friend of mine at work recently tell me, hey, I, I, I used to go to church every time the doors were open. And, and that included his church, his, or his parents' church, and his grandfather's church was, was a... Uh, it was a non-denominational, and then he went to his Presbyterian and a Seventh-day Adventist every time the doors were open, so I don't know how he managed that. But he said he used to go every time, but then he, he got into some trouble with some bad friends. He was out of church for a long time. Then he came and told me because he, he found out that I, was, I went to school to, to, uh, with a, with a, for a, uh, a degree in, in, in pastoral staff, and, and I wanted to become a missionary to Spain and start a church. And he said, you know what? I I have been trying to get go go back to go back to church because you know I know the Bible and and I know what people say but I I, I wanna I wanna know about this Christianity I I've I've grown up in it and I went to church when I was younger but I didn't quite understand it church didn't tell me what it was so I want to try understanding it so I'm gonna try and maybe do take take a um, a, a religions class at 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 a, at a public university and I'm like ooh um, I told him I said well. He's a mechanic, and I said, all right, so when you have a car that's wrong, you want to know about the car, what's the first thing you go to? He said, well, the manual. I said, exactly. I said, the Bible is the manual for Christianity. He says, well, I guess that's true, so I guess I could start reading from the beginning. I said, don't, don't start reading from Genesis. You'll get confused real quickly. I said, so start in John or First and Second John. And that also mentioned James, because it is a very simple, simple, not very, not anything too in depth, which is why I like the book of James. Uh, if you could, if you put Adam to your praise, name is Dakota. Um, he's 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 he has a lot of uh, uh, he's thinking about a lot of things. He's made a lot of mistakes in his teenage years, and he's starting to reflect on that. He said, "You know what? I want to have a good life. I want I want to settle down with with my girlfriend. I want to do things right, and I want to go. I want to get back in church." So the Lord put that. Uh, desire in his heart, and I work with him, so hopefully I can, I can uh, uh, just use, uh, the Lord can use me to, to work in his life. But James chapter 4, James chapter 4, we'll talk about the subject this evening, draw nigh to God. We, we, we make, the, uh, we make the, uh, the statement sometimes, America is far from God. And oh, how, how we've fallen. Uh, if you look back a hundred 150 years, America was a whole lot closer to God than it was now, than it is now. Uh, uh, um, uh, my, my, uh, my brother was saying uh, earlier, it says, you know, when I, when I was younger, the King James Bible was, version was literally the only version that was in print. And now you've got, I can't even count. I, I, I have a Bible app that I use, and then it shows me which version, and the list goes on and on and on. That's just English, uh, not, 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 not to mention any other language. Um, but things have changed a lot. And, 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 and just me in my 25 years of life, how much I've seen it change just in 25 years, I can, ima- I can only imagine how it has changed with it, those that are a little older than myself. I, I talk to my grandma a lot. My grandma's 93 years old. 
She's almost lived half of America's age. She's seen a lot of things. And uh, when, when she was young, it was the day and age where, where people of color weren't treated exactly. They weren't even considered human back in the day. They were, I, for, I forget what percentage. It was like 17.3%, something like that. It, it was a percent. They weren't even considered to be human beings. That's why they weren't treated that way. That, that, that's the kind of uh, world my grandma uh, grew up in. Uh, uh, she had uh, uh, her, her family uh, owned a, a sawmill, and, uh, uh, and her mother had a, had a heart attack when she was, I think she was young. She was missing five or six when she had a heart attack. And the only person that was there was a worker of color. And she couldn't even touch her mom because if she did, she would be accused of killing her. That's the kind of world my grandma grew up in. And then we see now, we see with, with uh, the, starting with the equal rights and then all, all this stuff going on, Great Depression, and, and things have changed. Something's for the better. I'm pleased to say that a lot of us see people of color as human beings, as it should be. No one should be treated differently because the Bible says that we're all created equal. But then there are some things that haven't changed or that changed for the worst. And unfortunately, America has fallen far from the tree. We need to draw back to God. We can say, oh, God needs to come back to us. Before we can come back to us, the Bible says we've got to draw nigh to him. And then he will draw nigh to us. It's as if he was over there and then we have this distance. When I take a step forward, he takes a step closer. In James, it's primarily known as the Proverbs of the New Testament. And it was written to believers that were scattered abroad of the Roman Empire. Christians were facing harsh persecution, and many of them were denouncing their faith for, the, for security. Lots of Christians back then, when, and under the persecution of the Roman Empire, were saying, okay, we're denouncing our Christianity just to be safe. How many Christians today are denouncing their Christianity, their faith, just to be safe? We saw that uh, when COVID first hit, government uh, threatening to shut churches down, put people in jail. James wanted to encourage his fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and to tell them that no matter the consequences, we as Christians need to live, live out our faith. It's not a, it is our testimony of God that people see. Not much the words we say, but of what we do. Being a child of God is not merely a one-time decision that begins at salvation, but it is a change of desires and a lifestyle that, unfortunately, right now is popular to contrary to is contrary to popular living. So we'll see. We'll read verse chapter four, verse number six. But he giveth more grace. I can just stop right there and just go on the entire day. Just looking back uh, this year, how much grace he's given us. But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And this is our, our main verse here. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. 
Let's go ahead and pray and we'll get into this. The Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful day you've given us. Thank you for bringing us all here safely. Thank you for those that are here and those that are not. Please be with them for whatever reason. Lord, help us today as we uh, glean from your word truths and, 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 and applications to help just live our lives for you. All these things to ask in your name. Amen. This is probably a, a, a very well-memorized verse. It's put on plaques. It's put on signs. It's put on church marquees. It's, it's, it's everywhere. Draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. So we'll see three things as Christians to help us draw nigh to God. To help us draw nigh to God. Number one, if you're taking notes, first of all is to submit. Number one is to submit. Pride, as, as mentioned in verse number six, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud. Pride was the first sin ever committed. You don't believe me? We'll take a look to Isaiah. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah chapter 14, you say, Stephen, if it's the first one, why aren't we going back to Genesis? Well, Isaiah puts an account of something before even Genesis, events of Genesis happened. Isaiah chapter 14, verse number 12, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which didst waken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. I, I will, I will ascend, I will sit. I will be like the Most High. When Satan was cast down from heaven, it wasn't because of, because he felt like it. Because when, when Satan decided in his heart, not in his actions, in his heart, I will ascend, I will be like the Most High, that's when God banished him from heaven. He was proud. He was proud. He said, you know, I am better than God and brought a third of the angels with him. Pride. My friends, pride starts in your heart. It doesn't just come out in words or action. It starts in the heart. How you think of yourself. I was teaching my teenagers uh, uh, in Ecclesiastes who used the words vanity. And I said there's a difference between van being vain and being proud. Being vain is being worried about what others think of you. You will do things so that others think of you better. Pride is how you think of yourself, despite what anyone else thinks. Vain says, oh, they like this. They like people to have this certain kind of dress style, so I would dress this way to become popular. How uh, We see some preachers do that sometimes. Vain says, oh, they, they, they people like this kind of music, so I'm going to put that kind of music in my life so I can make myself popular and liked. Pride says, you know, I think I deserve more. So I will do what I want. I don't, think I, I, I don't think I need to be responsible for my actions, so I just do whatever I want. We live in a very, very prideful world. 
Unfortunately, there are a couple things that pride does. Number one, pride destroys. Pride destroys. In Proverbs chapter 16, verse number 18, pride goes before destruction and in a haughty spirit before a fall. My family is a very competitive family. Very, very competitive. So when we're playing a game, we like to, we don't trash talk. We just, uh, we, don't, we don't cheat either. <laughs> we like to be very competitive. And so we, sometimes we say things, you know, kind of like, kind of poke at each other. But sometimes, some, somehow, somehow it happens. The one that keeps poking eventually loses. I don't know how that works. Then we put this verse, well, you know, pride coming for destruction and all that. But it happens in real life too. When, when we start think of ourselves as, a, as someone who, who can walk the Christian life without a God's help, oh, be careful, we might fall. When we start thinking we can handle our own family without God's help, be careful, we might just fall apart. We think we can ha- manage our marriage without God, be careful, we might fall apart. You think you can, you can, you can change someone's life. You go when you're witnessing to someone. If you, if, if you're not careful, if you're not u- using the power of God, you can do worse damage. I know some of you are a little older. You have people and friends, younger friends that you maybe advise, uh, a younger generation that maybe even uh, uh, kids, grandkids, nieces say, "Hey, they come to you. They love you, and you want to give them advice. You want to help them out in their life," which is not a bad thing at all. I think I think with with your experience it does really help a lot. I, I, I've I've had a lot of advice come from older friends, my dad, my grandpa. But if we're not careful, we give the wrong advice. If we're not careful. Pride dest- what does it destroy? Number one, it destroys your reputation, your testimony. When people see you as proud, it, it is this what a Christian is? Unfortunately, there are, there are people that are not Christian who know more about being a Christian than what a Christian does. Proverbs chapter 11, When pride cometh, then cometh shame. But with the lowly is wisdom. No one does it destroy your reputation, your testimony. It destroys your reaction. Proverbs 27, 2, Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth a stranger and not thine own lips when you're proud you tend to talk about yourself when you're proud something good happens your reaction is oh look how good i did it got to submit if we want to draw not not nigh to god we have to submit cuz pride destroys number 2 pride determines Galatians chapter 6, verse number 3, For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. Pride says, you know what, I'm going to look at myself, I think I'm something. I'm determined to prove to everyone that I am something. Pride determines that I'm right and you're wrong. Look to God. We're proud. We go, God... I'm right. You're wrong. Oof. Pride determines that. But, unfortunately, we look at the Proverbs chapter 16 that pride is denounced. God doesn't like a prideful heart. He really doesn't. We see actually in James it says, He resisteth the proud. God 
we see in the, we see in the example of Lucifer. He was proud. He gave him the boot. He said, I'm sorry, you're out. You can't be here. He said, oh, wow, God is self-righteous. Well, he is righteous, period. He is the very definition of righteousness and purity and just. In Proverbs chapter 16, everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be unpunished. God resisteth the proud. So first of all, if we want to draw nigh to God and him get closer and draw nigh to us, first of all, we have to submit. We have to submit. Number two. And back in James chapter 4, verse number 8, we see, uh, excuse me, verse number 7, submit yourselves to the to God. That was number one. Number two, in the same verse, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Add here, just number two, no, no, number one, submit. Number two, suffer the devil. Suffer the devil. Resist. Stay firm. Stay, stay steadfast. Now, I'm not saying that we should ever, never run from him because there are some temptations that we can avoid, right? Why, why should we put ourselves in a position where we know we're going to get tempted? Well, my, my dad always put, put it this way. An, a, a, a Christian who used to be an alcoholic is not a good idea for him to go to a bar. Now, I have myself personally, I've never had any desire any desire to have any sort of alcoholic drink at all. That's just me. I have other issues that I'm not going to tell you that I have that others may not have a problem with. And that's how we're all different. Now, I can go I can go and say, hey, I'm just going to get some water. They have really good water there, you know. And then a, a safe alcoholic may say, yeah, they have really good water, but I'm not going to go there. Why? Because that's something he struggles with. You know yourself better than I would know you. Now, God knows you better, but you know yourself. You know your temptations. We know our own weaknesses, so, we have, so if we're not careful, we'll put ourselves in a place where we know we're going to get tempted. Now, who in here likes math? No one likes math. Me neither. But there is an equation that my dad told me long ago. Temptation plus opportunity always equals sin. If we have the opportunity, but we don't, we're not tempted, we won't, we won't do it. If we're tempted, but never have the opportunity, or put ourselves in the opportunity, then that will happen. But once you put those two together, it's going to be very hard to escape it. Very, very hard. But I'm not talking about putting ourselves, I'm talking about because temptation comes whether we like it or not. What are you going to do about it when it comes? Because the Bible says we resist him. We suffer the devil. He will flee from you. Remember in Job? He resisted. He had a lot he had a lot of things happen. His 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 kids were gone, his money was gone, his health was gone. Three most probably the three important things said by in society. The first the three most important things money, your health, and your family. It was all gone. And still Job said, I, I will praise you. You, you. you give it and you take it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Why should we suffer the devil? Because he's persistent. 
First Peter says what? He's like a lion seeking to whom he may devour. It is said that a lion, when he hunts, the smallest prey, he uses his entire energy to hunt the smallest prey. Satan will like nothing more than to ruin your life and ruin your testimony. If we're not careful, we will let him do it. Not only is he persistent, but he's very practical. He knows you. Satan knows you. He knows me. He knows my weaknesses. He knew, he knew Eve's weakness. Because in 2 Corinthians chapter three, uh, sorry, chapter 11 says, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Satan knew exactly what Eve's weakness was, and he targeted it every time. Satan knows what my weakness is, and he will target it every time. Satan knows your weakness, and he will target it every single time if we're not careful. If we're not careful. That's why we've got to stay submitted to him. Because once we submit to him, then we have the power to suffer the devil. Because we, if we don't submit to God, we can't resist. There's no way. We don't have the power to do so. Once we submit to him, then we can resist. The third thing, after we submitted, after we resisted, this is just simple. Step closer to God. To submit means a change in mindset. Change of mindset. To suffer the devil means a change of motive. Why do we do what we do? But number three, a step, step closer to God, a change in motion. It's never enough to say, okay, to decide in my head, okay, I'm going to do right. And I think, okay, I, I want to do right for this reason. But if you never do it, it, make, it makes no difference. I, I, I think marriage is a good thing. Okay, I, I'm deciding in my head, to marry my wife. I think it's a good, the reason why I want to, because I love her and I believe that's, that's the Lord, what she asked for me. But if I never go out and ask her or I never take time with her and actually do something about it, that's never going to happen. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is what? A new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We become a new creature. We step close. When, when we're saved, we put our, our faith and trust in God, we become a new creature so that we, sh- we should. A new creature means new behavior. We should behave like different than what we did before. In order to get a step closer to God, number one, the Bible says to cleanse your hands. To cleanse your hands, your actions. Whatever you did before, stop doing it. Because a change of action really, really doesn't start until we actually stop doing it. Number two is to purify your heart. Not only your actions, but your attitude. The Bible says in Psalm 51, when David sinned, he, he, prayed, he prayed to God in, ch- in ver- chapter 51, verse number 10, create in me a clean heart, Oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. God, David was heartbroken because he knew he made a decision that God was not happy with. He made God sad. He made him upset. He disobeyed. 
And David said, create in me a clean heart. Cleanse your hands, purify your heart, and humble yourself. Become a full circle now. A full circle. You want to draw closer to God? We want him to draw nigh to us. First of all, we have to submit. That pride, it's, it's, it's a serious issue. Not only do we have to submit, we've got to suffer the devil. The devil's going to come at you. When we decide, the moment you decide to serve the Lord is the moment that Satan paints a big red bullseye on your back because he hates to see that. He knows he can't take your salvation away. He knows that. You and I know that. But he can take your testimony. He can take away your, 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 any use you have for the cause of Christ. He can take that away. He can take away your joy. We've got to resist that. We have to. And then, after we submit, after we suffer the devil for a little while, we can turn, we can step closer to him. God, cleanse my hands. God, cleanse my heart. More of you, less of me. We simply cannot be a friend to the world. We can't. To be a friend of the world means what? Enmity with God. And unfortunately, the number one reason we refuse to change the way that we live is because we're too proud to admit that the way we are living is wrong. God calls us to be different. Not weird, but different. We become God's enemy when we live like the world. But this means in our daily life, in our daily conversations, and our thought process. To submit means a change of mindset. To resist means a change of motive. To draw nigh to him is to have a change of motion. As we go into this new year, we often say, I hear a I hear lot of people say, man, if only people would just go back to him. If only people would just go back to him. He's waiting. He really is. But you know, before we can start saying, oh, this person needs to go back to God, this person needs to go back to God, we've got to look at ourselves. Am I drawing near to God? Cool thing about a, about a reptile, lizards, all that kind of stuff. As long as they're alive, they never stop growing. They will grow as long as they're alive. They never stop. Our Christian life should be a life that never stops growing as long as we're alive. Every day should be a new day. Every day should be, Lord, thank you for the day you've given me. Let me serve and praise you today. And I know life gets tedious. Got errands to run. Got to go, to, go down down through blending, got to get stuck in traffic, got to avoid crashes, got to avoid this, got to go past them all. You gotta... It can get tedious, even just to run down to the nearest Walmart. But even then, Lord, help me praise you, help me live for you, and help me see an opportunity to share the gospel. Because that's the most important thing. After we're saved, is to spread the gospel. There's a song that a friend of mine sang, he said, there's nothing better than going to heaven to take somebody with you. There is nothing. There, you, can, you can't tell me there's anything better than going to heaven. 
I can't tell you one. I can't tell you one thing, is bringing someone with you. I think, that's, I think that's the best thing ever. Yeah, I get to go to heaven, not a problem. But if I can bring my closest friend, if I can bring my my cousin, my father, my nephew, my whatever, my neighbor, whatever it may be, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Maybe you're looking at me and saying, I don't, I don't know what this means. I don't know how to, I, I don't have that kind of relationship with God. Well, the first step is to submit. God gave his only begotten son to die for you. And we all have the audacity to say, I don't need that. He came and died for your sin and for my sin that we may have a way to get to heaven, a way for God's grace and God's mercy to be bestowed upon us. That way when we die, we don't have to go to a hell that was made for the devil and his angels. We can go to a heaven, spend eternity with Christ forever and ever and ever. But in order to have that, we have to submit. You have to submit and say, God, I need your help. God, save my soul. And with that being said, that will start a change of motion in your life and in your heart. And you can grow and grow and grow and draw closer to Him. Will we make mistakes? Absolutely. Will we fail Him? Absolutely. Will we make wrong decisions on purpose? Absolutely. But God's always there. And He's just waiting. Son, daughter, I'm right here. Just come to me. Just come to me. Will you draw nigh to God this year of 2024? Let's go ahead and have your eyes closed and head bowed and eyes closed as we enter this time of invitation. If